This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark. We have a busy show, as we always do here, but this week's is even more exciting because we have a competition to announce. Yes, we will be revealing all the details shortly, but if you're involved in a sports club, this could be something for you and all your teammates that you'll want to get involved in to give yourself the best chance of winning an amazing prize in time for Christmas. That's the tease. The reveal comes in a little bit. We'll be talking Bet McLean Cup. The quarterfinals took place on Tuesday. Joining us from two of the teams, we've two of the scorers from Glentoran. Bobby Burns will be on the programme. We'll be hearing from Coleraine's Matthew Shevlin. He is the Danske Bank Premiership's leading goal scorer at the moment as well. And it's interesting times in the international scene because the women's international game is getting the Nations League. Some might say about time. Joining us for her reaction on it all is Northern Ireland women's record international centurion. And then some Julie Nelson. We'll be hearing from her on the score today. It's all coming up here in the programme, so you don't need to go anywhere. The Score with Michael Clark. Details of that competition coming up shortly, but hello, welcome along to the programme. Good to be with you once again. Another weekend of Irish League football upon us. And from that, we can say two Friday fixtures to look forward to the game on BBC Two later on. The 7.45 kickoff between Larne and Crusaders at Inver Park. Both teams level on points, 26 points. Crusaders having played an extra match, they've played 12. And that is the difference really in terms of their records because both have won eight, both have drawn two but Crusaders have lost one match more than Larne have at least before a ball is kicked tonight and when you compare the sides Crusaders have scored 28 Larne have scored 20 Crusaders have conceded 14 Larne have conceded 8 so Crusaders doing things a little more amplified than the Invermen but where will it take them at the close of play tonight, victory for either side would, at least for the time being, see them move top of the Danske Bank Premiership and ahead of Glen Torren, who start the weekend in the number one spot, having still only conceded one goal, scoring 24. They've 28 points to their name, and they will be in action on Saturday. So will Lauren be able to get a victory over Crusaders when they met at the start of September at Seaview? I covered that match and it was a very entertaining game. Philip Laurie put Crusaders in front in the second half, but their joy was not to last forever. Ten minutes from time, Leroy Miller reacted fastest to convert and get his team a share of the spoils. Will this be more of the same? Will it be another tight and potentially feisty affair? Randall saw red in that last meeting, remember, but it was a good game of football too, I thought, what way will this one pan out? Larne have 
been very keen to show us all that they're sticking around, that they're not going to fall away, but they'll need a response and I'm sure they'll feel a sense of needing to respond after their thumping at the hands of the league leaders, Glenn Torren. Uh, that 4-0 defeat, not something that they saw coming. They've had such good form when it comes to head-to-head meetings in recent times with the Glens, but how will they fare against the Crews and you know, does anyone really buy into the, the head-to-head and the recent history between the teams, or are we looking at it more so in terms of where they're at presently? Because after that, Lauren's fixture run, at least on paper, is a little kind stepping into December, um, because they've got Dungan and Swiss, Porter Down, a County Antrim Shield game against Dundella, then another game against the Swifts, and they close off the month with Linfield and Coleraine. So before they get into that Christmas run of matches, which is Glenavon, Newry City, Ballymena United, Boxing Day's Carrick Rangers, of course, you're looking at a Larn team who could rack up an awful lot of points there, potentially, and they should be very much believing that that is there for them. But it's never easy, is it? It's never as straightforward as that and there will potentially be banana peels. They just do not want to let this happen now. Crusaders won in the February matchup between the sides at Larne. That was a 2-1 win for the Crews. You might remember Larmer scoring the opener. Balmer bringing it back for Larne and Leckie then eight minutes from time wrapping things up for Stephen Baxter's side. The meeting before that was a 1-0 win for Larne. If we're just looking at games that are happening at Lorne's venue and otherwise aside from that Lorne got a, a narrow win at Crusaders in more recent times and that one all draw that I've spoken about so they're always pretty close um, you might look back to the 21 game uh, between them at Inver Park where Crusaders won 3-0 but do we expect that sort of game that was a lucky hat trick I don't know that we are expecting that it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on it but I would imagine a lot of people will be leaning in and looking at that one as a bit of a barometer because Crusaders have quietly gone about their business and second place some could say is misleading but they're still in that equation. Cliftonville have played 11 as of Lorne with just one point fewer so they're in the mix too and then the others have a bit of catching up to do. Linfield, if we're just looking at teams on 11 games for a minute so step past Corain who have played 12 and on 19 Linfield have played 11 and on 19 so they're wondering how quickly can they start to claw their way back up the league table after what has been a frustrating start to the campaign for them where out of their 11 games five of them they failed to win four of those have been defeats so they know that there's work to do so learning Crusaders could tell us a lot about how much we should take Crusaders seriously in a Crusaders team as I feel like I'm saying ad nauseum at the minute without Paul Heatley Without Ben Kennedy, without Josh Robinson, what credentials have they got and and where can they propel themselves? We heard last week our extensive interview, exclusive interview with Stephen Baxter. And thank you so much for the many messages we've received from um, the build-up to that programme and afterwards. I'm glad so many of you enjoyed it and we'll do those sorts of interviews throughout the the weeks and months and years ahead. Fingers and toes crossed, if you'll have us here. But that's given us a view to what they can do. Larner, this weekend, going to be talking about their Academy of Sport and all things, and journalists will be going down and finding out more about that. And Larner excited about what they're doing with the youth. 
but it's an exciting time for their first team too. Many people have been looking at them, and that's the criticism they've been constantly beaten over the head with. When will they take the next step? When will they step up? Are we starting to see that now? It could all go wrong for them yet, but they'll hope that Glentoran game was an outlier and not actually something that's going to form a correlation of what happens when they get into the pressure matches or, or the matches maybe that matter with the teams in and around them. They will try to show that they can uh, very much be a team to be taken seriously this season. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you look at the top three as they stand and there are all managers that have taken a lot of flack in recent years. Mick McDermott, people were asking if he's the man for the job or what a job he's done at this point in the campaign. Stephen Baxter, people were wondering, is it time to start talking about Crusaders as a team that you know will fight for maybe third or fourth spot and, and not looking at them to be first or second anymore as, as you know other teams have done better in recent times and all the rest of it. And yet still Irish Cup winners and still in the mix as things stand. And Lauren, people asked whether the reason they weren't stepping to the next level was their manager. And these are all the uncomfortable conversations that unfortunately if you're a manager will happen in and around you and you can't do anything about it other than hope that you start getting the results and they've been getting the results so it's um it's fascinating it doesn't tell us how it's all going to pan out and we could still have some of those points being raised again later in the campaign if teams fall off a proverbial cliff but uh, it all points to a fascinating match between Larne and Crusaders later on. Ballymena United against Newry for me actually is a really interesting game too. Um, maybe it's not got the glamour tie feel to it. Well, I, it doesn't have the a glamorous feel to it and it might not be a particularly glamorous match to watch but it's crucial for both sides when you look at it because they're separated by two points. Ballymena have played 11, Newry have played 12. Ballymena on 11, Newry on 9. This is a chance for Darren Mullins men to actually get above David Jeffrey's side and in a time where Ballymena United off the field have, have seen their chairman John Taggart after many years of hard work and service and I commend him for it because that's a pretty thankless task and anyone that gives of their time and puts themselves in that sort of position is constantly in the firing line for things and, and often overlooked for what they have done and what they have achieved and what has happened in that time uh, people are very quick to find fault and I'm not levelling that at a particular group of supporters or, or any individuals you know, at the front of my mind but it's just a fact that this happens and uh, I congratulate him on his service because um, quite frankly not many people would want to actually step forward and do that but it's been a, a tough season for Ballymena United, we've spoken about David Jeffrey and where he's been at they've picked up a couple of important results in recent times but trying to really steady the ship trying to gain I, I think some form of momentum and really push on now and see where they can go this will be a challenge for them this will be a test this match and uh, Newry City will put up a fight but it's at the showgrounds and does that maybe give Ballymena United fans a little bit more comfort there because they've won their last two games against them at the showgrounds Ballymena showgrounds I should say quite handily uh, the games down at Newry City were uh, won by the odd goal but maybe we're casting our minds back too far and we shouldn't be comparing 
Newry City of 2018 as a few of those games were with Newry City of present day because the the game in the Irish Cup showed us that Palomini United with a one goal win and the match back in April wasn't it um, Stephen McCulloch with the, the goal that divided them and it wasn't a, a particularly attractive game at that stage so will this match offer something a bit more for Balamina fans to feel encouraged by, enthused by and at least take a little bit of the pressure of the bottom of the table and the teams beneath them I don't think Balamina United are in a relegation battle but what a frustrating time they've had because after the Coleraine defeat at the start of October they win against Portadown, they then beat Coleraine and you think, well, there's a couple of home wins on the bounce. They couldn't beat Dungan and Swifts. They were held to a one-all draw. Frustrating night at Stangmore a couple of weeks ago. And then the Glenavon game, which was amazing to watch as a neutral, by the way. What a what an entertaining match. But they go in front. They're pegged back. They fall behind. They level things. They fall behind again. And they then can't score the penalty that they get. So, just... The typical heart attack football match that somehow always manages to play out between Glenavon and Balamini United did play out, but it didn't play out in the way that David Jeffrey or the Sky Blues fans would have liked or hoped for. So it just puts them in that little area at the moment where they, they really, I think for pride as much as anything else, will feel like they can't afford to slip any further down. And it might just ease a little bit of the feeling if they can get a result here, but nothing is for certain in the Irish League that is the one thing we can say uh, just quickly to run you through the Saturday games before we bring on our guests Carrick Rangers are hosts to Coleraine Cliftonville welcome Glenavon to Solitude Glen Torren will be playing Dungannon Swifts at the Oval and Linfield are on their travels to Nile Curry's Portadown but that's enough um, previewing Time to get our first guest onto the show and he is in blistering hot form already this season and we thought he was doing well last year. Good to have him on the programme, Korean striker Matthew Shavlin. Matthew, how are you? Alright Michael, how are you? Cheers uh, for having me on. Oh, good to have you on. Um, you are in great goal scoring form at the moment. You've scored in your last four games and uh, well, you're well on the way to scoring more league goals already than last season. Ten so far in 12 matches and I think it was 13 in the last campaign. What's the secret? Uh, I wouldn't say there's any secret as such. Uh, just playing regular games. Orange trusted me in playing games since I've came to Corian. So uh, with that comes goals and opportunities. You look like you're someone that's really enjoying your football. Your third season now at the Bandsiders and I think it's safe to say you've you've more than settled in by now yeah it feels like I've been there in age now <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know any different what was that like when, when you made that move to Coleraine initially because you know I, I guess after Linfield and it was such limited opportunities that you got there it's understandable why you would be looking elsewhere but it's never a guarantee that it's going to work out the way that it has yeah it was never a guarantee that I would go to Coleraine and uh play as regularly as I have um, when I joined Corian they were second or third in the league so um, it wasn't like I was going to a bottom six club or anything um, so I've worked hard since I've got there Oren's been bringing with me so I'm just happy to be playing every week well, I'm sure you are people sometimes forget Matthew how young you are as well I don't mean to patronise you but you are only 23 it feels like you've been in the league forever yeah me and my debut at 15 so that's probably why <laughs> but um Obviously, there was a few seasons in there where I didn't maybe make as many appearances as I'd have liked. 
but um, I'm glad we're making up for it now. I mean, it it does in some ways feel like forever ago that debut, in other ways it feels like only yesterday. But uh, you scored what was it, ninety seconds into your first team debut for Balamini United. That was that was some way to go about it. Were you thinking at that stage? Well, this is the way it's always going to be, nice and easy. <laughs> Ah, well, at that age, you don't really think too far ahead, so um, I didn't really know what to expect. But uh, when you look back on um, the video, the goal or whatever, and uh, pictures of the time, uh, you just realise how young you were. Does that... Has that at this stage registered? Because as you said, at that age, you don't really think about it, but now you're going, jeepers me, a 15-year-old out there playing in a a men's game, that's a bit crazy. Yeah, I'd say what really uh, made it hit home was uh, last season when PK came into our uh, team. Mm-hmm. He was 17 and uh, came in pre-season and took us all the storm, really. And uh, just sort of thought to myself, he's, he's 17 and I was 15 at the time. So uh, just really did show how young I was. Uh, PK, of course, being Patrick Kelly, just in case anyone thinks you sound Jared PK and they missed that one. <laughs> <I'm different. laughs> in terms of uh, Patrick's ability, we know he's at West Ham now and he, he seems to be doing brilliantly uh, from the updates that have been following online. Um, just how talented a player is he and, and was it any surprise to you to see him take that next step in his career? No, it was absolutely no surprise to see him get a move, especially the sort of uh, calibre move he got. Um, he was home there at the weekend and he was in the change room chatting to the lads uh, but it's great to see him doing so well and um, all of the lads have no doubt how well he'll do Well, because he's doing so well for himself now, has he got a bit of a swagger about him or is he still very understated? Oh, well, he's a very humble lad but uh, <laughs> let's just say he's upgraded his wardrobe a little <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's divulged. Do they help you with that sort of thing? I suppose when you're uh, rolling around uh, London, you just probably feel the pressure to do it. Yeah, I'd say so. He's just sort of fell into what, the way of life over there. <laughs> in terms of uh, the, I don't know, there's been some interest in dressers down through the years at Korean. I don't know, you know, who's the fashionistas at the Bandsiders now? Do you ever feel under pressure yourself to make sure you're on point going to, going to the showgrounds? Is there anybody there that will keep you in check or are you that person? Uh, no, you just sort of have to play it safe. <laughs> when our arm trainer was there, he he would have been on boys uh, slabbering about what they were wearing. Uh, he gave Stevie o a touch at times, but um, yeah, most of the lads are well dressed. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. It's I always enjoy just seeing the the sort of different characters around the club. Um, looking at uh, you know things on the pitch. Um, good week for yourselves a good way to start the week going into a quarterfinal game winning it handsomely for you personally getting on the score sheet uh, after a difficult couple of matches it's a, a good way to bounce back isn't it yeah definitely we made a good start to the season um, we had four wins out of the first five and then we sort of went through a wee sticky patch where maybe things weren't falling for us or we weren't playing as well but um as you say there, uh, two wins in the last two games and into the quarterfinal or the semi-final of the cup. Um, hopefully that's us uh, steady now. What do you put the little sticky patch down to? I'm sure it's something that all of you have been trying to collectively think about and, and put right. Um, we, we didn't really put it down to anything uh, specific. It's actually, it was actually quite frustrating at times because we were maybe playing well, uh, creating a lot of chances, but still ending up on the wrong side of the scoreline. Um, but we've uh, we've played well the last few games, and uh, we'll take that into Saturday. 
and I guess confidence will be high after uh, you know a, a comprehensive win against Dungannon, a comprehensive win against Portadown as well. Seven goals scored without reply. Um, so you know if there was anybody feeling a little bit low, that's a nice pick me up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we needed those two results. Um, both games are pretty comfortable for us. We maybe should have had more. Uh, we were four 0 up on Saturday after fifty five minutes or something. So um, we maybe should have added to that. And then the other night, we uh, could have killed the game off a lot earlier than we did, but we'll take them two results. The game against Carrick Rangers for you earlier this season, it, it looked like it was a bit of a happy hunting ground. You got a couple of goals there, didn't you? Um, you'll be hoping to inflict more damage in, in front of not just Carrick Rangers. It's not like you've got a personal vendetta, but you'll be hoping the goal streak continues. Yeah, I'll just be thinking about my own goal streak and uh, the own team, our own team's performance. Um, yes, I scored few last season there and a hat-trick earlier this season but um, we'll just be going there looking for the three points and it'll be a bonus if I get in the score sheet Have you got a personal target in terms of goals last season it was 22 overall you mean if you're to continue at the rate you're at at the moment you could well surpass that but um, is there a target in mind? Uh, no specific target um, at the start of last season I sort of had the target of 20 goals as most strikers would Um say when they're playing regularly mm-hmm. so um, if I beat that and beat last season's total I'll be happy and if the team does well then even better Do you have any rituals or superstitions before games at all? You're, you're not one of these people that has to put your boots on in a certain order or anything like that? Uh, well I'd have sort of uh, some of the stereotypical ones as you say there I put my left boot on first um, and then if something's going well for me uh, I would keep it up so sort of eat the same thing before a match if it doesn't work then I'll change it up but uh, nothing too crazy So what's the lucky diet at the minute then? I'm glad you didn't say underwear because we just don't want to go down that road <laughs> Oh, the, the trusty scrambled eggs, beans and toast <laughs> beat it. Hard to beat Well, Carrick Rangers will be hoping that uh, you forget to put that on the menu um, before you head down to, to play the game with them uh, Looking at the fixtures ahead it's a very very challenging November I suppose you could say that nearly of any month the way things fall but you've, you've a home game against Crusaders you are also then home against Glentoran before away to Glenavon and away to Larne um, and that's before we even talk about you know next month having a, a cup semi-final uh, these are the things I'm sure footballers relish but there's no real margin for error within those games you, you're going to need to get a few big results in there aren't you? Yeah, you, you really do have to take every game as it comes in the Irish League. Um, you could have a run of games where you think you might pick up a certain amount of points and end up falling short of that. Uh, but um, as you say there, we have a, a difficult fixture list in the next month or so, so um, we'll just take a game at a time and see how we end up. And in terms of the calibre of you know, the top half opposition, if we look at it that way, all the teams challenging to, to continually finish higher European football obviously titles are, is something everybody is aspiring towards as well how tough do you think it is now how impressed have you been with your rivals and you know just looking at the other teams that you share the top half of the table with how how good are the teams you're coming up against now yeah the standard of the league and the opposition has uh, really lifted in the last season or two uh, even look at the calibre of player we brought in there in the summer the likes of Lee Lynch and stuff like that Dean Jarvis um, and that's taken us to a new, a new level never mind what, what the other clubs are doing being full time and stuff like that so uh, it's definitely an exciting league to be in at the moment and it's only going to get better and you love the challenges um, that comes with all the 
I guess are the better players. We're always excited with the the increased you know attacking threats of teams, but defensively as well. You look at um, well, Lorne and Glentorn in particular, and how mean their defences are to come up against. Um, you must love pitting your wits against an increasingly uh, talented roster of defenders across the division. Yeah, every team has good defenders, uh, but especially Lauren and Glentorn this season. Um, they've built up a good partnership between them, and uh, hopefully we can uh, strike up something similar to that. In terms of the, the semi-final, um, of the Bet McLean Cup, you won't want reminded of last year's final. But does that kind of sit in your mind? Is is that all the motivation you need, really, looking ahead to a game against Cliftonville? Yeah, last season in the final was heartbreaking. Um, we went two 0 up and ended up losing the game somehow. But uh, we'll not we'll not be seeing it as though it's Cliftonville. We'll we'll more be using the motivation of losing the cup final, uh, the event itself. Um, motivation so we'll go there hoping to win and get into another final and finally for fans of Coleraine listening to this because uh, you've given them a lot to cheer about personally they'll be hoping the team can give them plenty to cheer about going forwards um, what do you think are realistic targets for the season ahead for your side Yeah, well we know last season we uh, we finished sixth and we weren't happy with that we lost the cup final. We also weren't happy with that. So some silverware this season and um, challenging for those European places would uh, would be a good season for us. And hopefully we can do that. Well, I think they'd be very happy. It won't be long until somebody's dressed as Santa at the showgrounds. It's one of life's guarantees, isn't it? Every year at Corian, there'll be some boy in his Santa clubber in, in not too long from now. <laughs> yeah, especially if someone uh, gets to spin the wheel uh, where they have to dress up. We have we have uh, options to either wave your fine uh, where you spin the wheel. Evan McLaughlin spun it and uh, got fancy dress, so he came Ooh. in dressed as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's class. I wasn't aware that you were doing the spin the wheel right. So that's 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 very good. So fancy dress is that like a collective decision? Somebody ha- the group has to say right. You fancy dress, so we're going to say here's what you're dressing up as. No, we we don't get to decide. To be fair, he just sort of decided himself. But uh, fair play to him, it was funny. <laughs> well, that that might actually tell us more about Evan than than I thought when I asked the original question. But yes, Santa would be nice for Christmas, and uh, would probably uh, do less scarring to my eyes if I happen to to spot that uh, next time I'm up your direction. But anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> great to have you on the program, Matthew. Continued uh, good luck for the season ahead, and uh, no doubt be catching up with you again soon. But uh, for now, thanks for coming on. No problem, Michael. Thanks for having me on. The score with Michael Clark. Now it is competition time, and how about this for a competition? Because we have teamed up with Connected Fitness to offer an amazing prize package for your sports club. So, if you are a member of a sports club, it could be an amateur football team, it really doesn't matter. We want to give you the chance to win this one month's gym and class membership for your entire sports club as long as your members are over the age of 16 they can avail of that four weekly strength and conditioning classes for your first team and discount on ongoing memberships all with connected fitness in lisburn so their gym working with us to try and give you an amazing prize in time for christmas i'll run you through it again one month's gym and class membership 
for your entire sports club. So if you have a reserves and if you have an under 21s and if you have an under 18s, all of them, that's all of them included in that. It's, this is a huge prize. Four weekly strength and conditioning classes for your first team. And they will also guarantee you discount for ongoing memberships. If after you've gone for free for the month, tried it out, seen the place, seen how good it is in there. They want to make sure that you're looked after so you're being really spoiled. How do you enter though? Since this is Northern Ireland's number one place for Irish League chat, we are going to put an Irish League slant on it. So David Healy, of course, is the Linfield manager. Coming into the festive season, you'll often hear Northern Ireland fans singing a version of a Christmas carol in his honour. But what is that Christmas carol? Is it A, O Come All Ye Faithful? Is it B, Silent Night? Or is it C, Away in a Manger? A, O Come All Ye Faithful. B, Silent Night. Or C, Away in a Manger. If you know the answer, you need to send an email to studio at lisburns98fm.com studio at lisburns98fm.com tell us your name the name of the club that you're entering on behalf of and your answer that is it there is no charge it is just a simple email and you will be placed in the draw we will be picking the winner in a few weeks time so this is going to run for the next few weeks and then we'll be announcing a winner on the 16th of December for that amazing prize package exclusively offered with the score and connected fitness here. Good luck. The score with Michael Clark. Well, uh, maybe you're feeling festive after that. Uh, I know it's November, so uh, please, no angry letters. That's an amazing competition. So get your entries in to be in with a chance of winning that lovely prize. Uh, I don't know if our next guest is feeling festive or if they've got their their Christmas shopping started, uh, but a super guest to have on at this time, Julie Nelson, Northern Ireland's most capped female international footballer, a centurion and then some, and she got a goal at the Euros. We might get a wee mention of that in here somewhere, but uh, Julie, good to have you on the programme. Thanks for having me, Michael, and definitely haven't started any Christmas shopping as yet. <laughs> I'm glad it isn't just me. That You just get the fear, you, you just get Halloween past you, and then you've very organised friends who are telling you, oh, we've everything done, and we, we're just going to put the tree up in a couple of weeks, and that's us, and you're going, aye, and then there's me. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm similar to you by the sounds of it. Right, you and me in the trolley dash then in the yeah. week of. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- well, one of the many reasons we wanted to speak to you this week, of course, Julie, is uh, the big news that's come out from UEFA. Um, now, Nations League football, which the men have been getting for a couple of years, is coming to the Women's International game. And I'm wondering your immediate thoughts and reaction to it. Is this welcomed news? Um, yeah, from a from a player's perspective, um, yeah, I would say it is welcome news. Um, you know, we always we haven't always had um, the same number of friendlies, perhaps that other countries would have been able to have um, throughout you know the past 10, 15 years. So it'll be a great opportunity now um, to get more competitive games in the year and to make sure that we're we're playing games in in those international windows, which can only bode well. Um, in terms of improving the team and hopefully improving our coefficient and our rankings along with that. That's something that maybe not everyone has considered down through the years, the added challenge of having 
competitive matches without actually having much time to play together. I know there have been friendlies, I know there have been little mini tournaments here and there, but they've been nowhere near as regular as what the men's team have had. Yeah, um, you know, and if if you consider other nations, um, you know, the likes of England, Scotland, uh, um, the Republic of Ireland, they they have uh, traditionally always had a lot more games in their calendar year than than we would have had. And as you say, yes, we've had competitive games over those years, but it is difficult, um, you know, to to get firstly to get players available because, as you know, we're the majority of our squad um, have been amateur uh, over the last 10, 15 years now. Now we have maybe half the squad uh, playing professionally, which is great. And hopefully as the years go on, we will have a full squad of uh, professional players. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a great chance to get the squad together to play competitive games um, in the Nations League. And then hopefully that will help then going into the qualifying stage uh, after the Nations League, because we'll, we'll have played more competitive games against teams that are in and around us in the rankings as well. Have you dared to try and work out the dreaded permutations of the Nations League? <laughs> I have, uh, yes. I've, I've been looking at it today, uh, trying to figure out um, all the ifs, ands, buts and maybes. Um, but yeah, I think for, for ourselves, uh, from looking at it, it looks like we potentially would be in League B. Um, so it means you're not coming up against you know those those big nations, the likes of your, your England, your Germany, your Netherlands, your Spains. Um, as part of as part of your qualifying process um, initially, which um, always is always challenging playing those big nations, and I think um, for women's football as a whole, it'll stop some of those massive scorelines that we've seen in the last uh, qualifying campaign. There, you know, there was England beating Latvia twenty nil, and you know, there's twelve nils and fifteen nils, and I don't think that that helps the game. You know, whenever you see scorelines like that, so I think it'll help the developing nations because they're they're in um, playing the countries around them and potentially then even the teams that are in the, uh, the C League um, in the qualifying process could end up in a playoff so you know it gives everybody something to aim for and it's not just you know the luck of the draw and then you know you're, you know that you're probably never going to qualify you know if you're if you're um, unlucky to get an unlucky draw so you know I think it definitely will help the, the developing nations it'll help ourselves as I say because we get more games um, and you're you're playing teams that are competitive and in around you. You know, there there's still a lot of difficult teams in around that, but they're definitely um, winnable games for us as well. So I think it's it's exciting for women's football. I know they had talked about it previously, but it's it's kind of came a bit out of, out of the blue from my perspective. Anyway, you know, we didn't obviously know that it was so close on the horizon. So it's nice to see. You're being very modest as well, because Northern Ireland, you and your teammates have handed out a couple of pastings along the way recently as well, which um, you know is always lovely when you're the team administering it. It's not nice to be on the other end of it, though. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well. Well, we did. We did enjoy some some of those bigger scorelines in our World Cup qualifying campaign. And yes, as much as it was nice for us to be uh, the team not on the receiving end of those big scorelines. Um, I don't really think it helps the women's game, um, but yeah, nice, nice for us to get some uh, goals on the goals on the scoreboard and to get a few clean sheets along with that. Um, always helps uh, boost confidence and morale within the squad. We've seen, you know, the, the Nations League. The only way we've been able to look at it so far is through the lens of men's football. And I hate to keep comparing men and women's football because it's it's a bit tiresome because everyone tries to do it. But you know, one of the criticisms that we've seen is the fact that. If you're in a lower league, you're not playing the big teams, so the games are less attractive. 
it sounds like what you're saying here is we're not necessarily going to have the same apathy or the same disgruntlement about that being the case in the women's game. Yeah, I think, yeah, as you say, Michael, you know, you can't compare um, the men's game to the women's game because there is, um, you know, such a difference between those those top nations and the development countries, you know, um, in men's football, yeah, would guess that every player that's playing or near enough maybe apart from the likes of maybe this, your San Marinos or your Liechtensteins and those kind of countries they're all professional footballers whereas in women's football that's not the case you know when you maybe have half the countries in Europe if even that that are playing professionally and the rest of them semi-professional or amateur um, so yeah I don't think it's a level playing field um, in terms of the time that people get you know to train as athletes a lot of them are, are working, um, much like myself and uh, quite a few of the girls that are based at home in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, we're all back to work now as well, and you're trying to juggle your full-time work schedule along with your training and your league games as well as your international stuff. So it, it can be quite challenging, um, and I don't think it helps the women's game then if if those players, um, you know, in some of those smaller nations are having to play against you know some of some of those. Uh, countries that I've spoken about that are all training, training and playing full-time and have been for many years. So is this something where the IFA would have to support players if they're going to be in these international windows playing competitive matches? I'm, I'm just imagining, you know, employers might be okay in a big business, smaller businesses might go, we can't really afford to let you go this time, and it's an awkward conversation that nobody really wants to have. Yeah, and, and it's an issue that we've had, as, as I said at the start of the conversation, over, over previous years in terms of getting people available for friendlies. Um, a lot of the girls at that stage had to take unpaid leave or, you know, use their holidays from work or, you know, work um, extra time to build up time in lieu and, and those kind of things. And I think at the moment for some of the players that may still be what has to happen, um, depending obviously on who their employer is. But as I said, you know, we have half a squad now that are, playing professional football which is fantastic and uh, hopefully as as it develops um, over the next few years and obviously there's talk of our league uh, going professional next year but that's obviously not going to be um, fully professional so you know I don't think many people actually know what that's going to look like um, coming into next year but I would imagine uh, all the players are still going still to have to be working or you know some of them are obviously students so they don't work um, necessarily but you know, they're, they're still going to have to try and juggle their club football with work or with their studies as well. So it's it's a problem that we've had over many years. But as I say, as the years go by, um, hopefully we can get more players playing professionally. And so the full squad will therefore be professional footballers. OK, well, it does sound largely positive. Um, I, I want to finish on a positive. The last year must be... Um feel a bit like a dream really you know I don't mean to be cliche about it Julie but you qualify for the Euros you go to the Euros you score at the Euros um has all of that sunk in there was so much uh, national pride about it but it it felt like it went further afield and people kind of got us in our story a bit and of course with you being the person to score the goal uh, there was a lot of attention on you what was all of that like yeah, it all kind of seems a bit surreal, to be honest. Um, especially now that, as I said, I'm, I'm back to work and you're back <laughs> to the day job, and you know, it kind of seems a bit like a, a lifetime ago that we were at the Euros and that we were in training full time and in preparation for it. But um, an absolutely fantastic experience, um, one that you know many of the senior players in the squad 
probably never imagined that that we would get to um especially you know solely in our career so fantastic to be able to qualify and go across to Southampton and the support that we received over there and um, from further afield and obviously from people that weren't able to um, to get across you know was just absolutely incredible and still seems a bit strange I think to most of us you know that people are recognizing this you know we're sometimes when we're when we're out and about now which wouldn't have been the case even this time last year um, but it just shows the impact that that we have had a, as a squad and you know, one of my um, friends' uh, parents. I was ju- just chatting to her. She actually came over um, to the game from. She's from America. Came over to the Norway game, so a good game for her to pick to be at. Um, <laughs> but I was chatting to her and her parents on Facetime there at the weekend, and their parents were talking to me about my goal because they had seen it in America, you know, in, in Tennessee. So it just shows, you know, that the the kind of world reach that the European Championships had, and fantastic for us to to be a part of it. And yeah, as you say. For me to score that goal, um, you know, just kind of topped topped the whole experience off for me in a personal point of, a personal point of view. Well, I hope you're able to dine out in that from years for years to come now, and people go here. I saw that goal. We'll get you. What are you drinking tonight? We'll look after you. You know the way yeah. Jerry Armstrong does. I want you in thirty years' time still to be absolutely going on about this. <laughs> I know. I was I was at an awards to a few weeks ago, and uh, Jerry was actually at the table, and I uh, was keeping him going, saying, "I hope I could dine out in my goal as long as he has uh, with his." So, um, no, f- fantastic to to be that person to score the goal, and uh, as you say, hopefully. Uh, I can get many free uh, dinners on that uh, throughout the next few years. There you go. Anybody anybody got an event coming up and need a special guest of honour? Sounds like Julie's got a wee bit of room in her diary if you get in there early. Uh, Jerry's a legend as well. I just want to put that in in case anyone misconstrues it. The, the recognition thing is lovely because I was doing, uh, well, it felt like a million finals. It was a very busy day at the end of the Super Cup, formerly Milk Cup, um, back at the end of the summer. And Marissa was doing the, the girls' final with me that uh, Rangers yeah. were involved in. And there was a group of men came over at half time and I to be honest we were standing quite exposed in Dixon Park and I thought right what's what's this going to be this conversation <laughs> and they all wanted selfies with her which yeah. I just thought was amazing because I don't know that it would have happened you know a year ago or more no definitely not that's you know as I said it wouldn't have happened this time last year and yeah there, there's a lot of um, dads out there now obviously young girls are now starting to play football and so they're taking a vested interest in it and you know some of them are saying can I get a picture for my daughter or whatever you know so you know obviously you know they might not necessarily have been at all the games themselves but their daughters are now playing and they're now interested in it and there's many men now which I know who I know would have been skeptical of women's football in the past and thought oh no women's football is not for me and then they've watched the Euros or they've watched the last World Cup and their their opinions on the women's game has changed. Now, obviously, you're still going to get some cynics and, you know, we're, we're aware it's it's not for everybody. And But it's fantastic to see that the tide is turning and there, there are now um, many families that are now coming to support us um, with, with dads being involved uh, as well as the mums and the kids. Now, you do have an international friendly coming up in... Uh, well not too long from now on the 15th against Italy uh, which will be a good game I'm going to be at that one as well all things going well and uh, just on the back of the a tweet you'd sent me um, about uh, you know wishing you were 10 years younger in relation to the Nations League you're not about to scare us off the back of these friendly games you're, you're going to stick around for a good while yet Julie aren't you? Yeah, um, I've no no immediate plans to hang up my boots just yet, Michael. So uh, I'm not not going to make any rash decisions. I'll I'll keep going for as long as uh, I feel I can, and as long as I, I keep getting picked. So uh, no, there'll be nothing rash happening uh, this 
this side of Christmas anyway. We'll we'll see what happens in 2023. There you go. Good news for the Green and White Army and good news for Mr Shields as well. Uh, Julie, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much for coming on to The Score. Thank you, Michael. The Score with Michael Clark. Time for our third and final guest, but by no means last and least or anything like that, because they are the league leaders, Glenn Torin, and he... He's got a bit of goal-scoring form about him. I don't know if there's something in the water these days out in East Belfast, but Bobby Burns can maybe tell us more about it. Uh, Bobby, what's going on? You've got new shooting boots. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Yeah, obviously playing a wee bit further forward this year, and um, I think it was one of our, our goals, certainly this year, to, to try and get a few more goals around the team. Or, we probably relied a little bit on, on Connor Mack and uh, Connor McManaman and, and Jay Donnelly too much last year. So I've been I've been trying to get in the box a bit more and, and thankfully a few lucky necks here and there have, have helped me get a few goals. Well, on the score sheet again in the quarter final to help your team get through to the semis, it's um well what a what a final four it is in the Bet McLean Cup now. Yeah, it was a tough game the other night, lock all or or flying. It was tough to go down there and, and they were really up for it and Obviously, we rested a few players, so it was it was a great win for us, and and um, just allowed to get through to the next round, and it, and it sets up a, a tasty uh, semi final against Linfield in the, in the big two derby, and, and obviously Cliff and I think Coleraine in the other semi final, so um, sets up for a good for a good um, sort of few final few games, and and I'm sure the sponsors are very happy that there's a couple of big clubs left in it, and you want to be challenging naturally for as much silverware as possible, and and this is. Um, well, I would imagine, and I don't mean any disrespect on the competition, but from Glen Torren fans' point of view, it's kind of the least they'll be expecting this season because you've got everybody believing now, Bobby. There's a bit of pressure building here. There's always pressure. I think we put ourselves under enough pressure that we're not too worried about what others are, are, are experiencing, and I think it's important for the fans to enjoy themselves and and to kind of dream. But from our perspective, we're just taking it one game at a time, and, and I think. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what competition we're playing, and we want to just try and win the match in front of us. And we've really, you know, we do. We've built a, a squad, and we've tried to sort of work hard and pre-season, whether it be the gym work and the anal- analytical work and and recovery and fitness, to just try and get ourselves in a position where every, every game we play, we try and attack it. And and thankfully, we're doing okay at the minute, and, and we're still in in the competitions. And it would be great to try and um, have some success in those. But we'll just give it our best shot and, and sort of see where it takes us from there. But it's certainly uh, been an enjoyable start. Well, you can understand the hype that comes with some of the results you've been pulling off in recent weeks. You know, Newry City victory, which was um, probably the actually the result that you know nearly gets forgotten about. But those are sometimes the results that really define a season. Being able to grind out wins, but the ones that will get all the headlines and again, understandably, are winning three nil at Windsor Park, winning four nil against Larne because they are statements in themselves. Yeah, I mean, they probably look different on paper than they were. They were all very tough games. I think, obviously, in the, in the Linfield game, particularly, that a, that a man sent off early, which maybe changed the game a little bit, but it was a good win for us. But, I mean, even the Larne game, I think they had nine corners in the first half. So, as I was saying to you earlier, I think the, the, the 4-0 was, you know, was a great result for us, but it was 1-0 at halftime. It was still a really, really tough game and they had about nine corners, so... Uh, and a lot of pressure on us, so it was it was probably tighter than it than it looked. And, and the likes of the Nuri game, you know, they had they had chances as well. I think the big thing for us is we've really tightened up at the back, and and we've kept a few more clean sheets. And last year, I think we conceded the most number of goals from our own set pieces, and we didn't really score from many. Um, and that's something we've really tried to prioritise this year, trying to tighten up from the set pieces and 
with build on that base and, and Aidan Wilson's come in and done really well and then I think the rest of the back four and, and the, indeed the whole team have really worked hard defensively you know even the, in, in all the corners that Lauren had I think it was Jay Donnelly was the one heading a lot of them away and it just shows you the, the sort of defensive mindset that we've all got to try and keep those clean sheets and, and I think when we do that and especially you know we've got the players we've got in our, in our firepower in the forward line you're always hoping that they'll score and, and if we can get the first goal then teams sort of open up and maybe come out at us a little bit and, and it let, let, that gives us an opportunity to then sort of attack and, and some of those games the, the we've scored a few goals at the end it maybe looks at put a bit of gloss on the results but um, in fact a lot of those games have been a lot tighter than they maybe looked well, it's down to good game management and something that I'm sure Glen Torrance supporters and you as teammates of them will be really pleased is to see the return of Luke McCulloch after a lengthy spell out in the sidelines. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted for him. I was had a similar experience last year and he's a big player for us and just shows you with the squad that we've got now the likes of Luke and, and hopefully Shannon Clucas will be back soon and you know those players will add a lot to us both you know on and off the pitch their leadership and and what they can offer us both on and off the ball will, will give us different options and um, we're really looking forward to having him back it was and I know what it feels like they've been out for that long and obviously he's been through it a couple of times so he'll be he'll be a big player for us and it's brilliant for him just to, to be back out playing and He'll not be able to play as much table tennis now. He's going to have to start focusing <laughs> on the, the football. Which I, 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 he's probably getting towards number one table tennis player at the club, and I, I'm maybe being shifted down to second. So hopefully, the, the return to the pitch will maybe give me a bit of uh, practice. Well, there you go. Competition on and off the pitch. It's a healthy thing, uh, after all. Uh, there, there's plenty to talk about in terms of the league, but I, I want to. Uh, I guess make sure that we pay tribute to um, someone that you knew very well and, and someone that I got to know very well this year myself and Frankie Wilson I first met Frankie a good few years ago naturally at a football game I was covering but um, the, the Centenary Shield uh, brought us closer together back in the early stages of this year and um, well he, he had me torture with phone calls because he such was his duty of care to his players he wanted to make sure their stories were told he wanted to make sure the commentary was going to reflect everything that they'd put in and uh, I, I made a really good friend and Frankie through those many conversations some in person some uh, at very random hours of the day uh, as you as you well know and Bobby having played under Frankie because obviously sadly uh, he was laid to rest this week he, he passed away at the end of last week and um, you know it's, it's such a sad loss isn't it not just someone that played over 400 times in the Irish League managed various clubs and all the rest of it but but just on a human level he's he he was a very special person. Yeah, it was it was tragic news about Frankie. I think he coached me when I was captain of the under eighteen Northern Ireland team. And then Patrick the following year, my younger brother, and then the youngest brother Malachy was in the Northern Ireland team. And in fact, Frankie took him on loan to Banbridge last year from Glenavon, and and he was also then head of P at Knock, where a lot of my my cousins in Bank from Bangor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd have told him. So we, he was a real family friend of ours, and somebody we'd known for years, and just a living legend just somebody with so much passion and energy and, and still years later he would, he would we would still have texted regularly and and had great crack and had, had conversations and he was always someone that was just always there for you and um, he really changed the mindset of that Northern Ireland team because in my Northern Ireland youth teams we had lost a lot of games and he was the first coach that really tried to change that with us and we won the Centenary Shield and, and beat England 4-1 away and it just you know it was really tough you know, hearing the news on Friday, and and you're sort of people were then. I was at the wake on on Saturday, and people talking about the memories of that four nil win and or four one win, maybe it was in England and Torquay, and just such a tragic loss of life, but but such a legend. And um, 
you know, at, at the funeral on Tuesday, there was, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people standing outside, and it just shows the, the mark of the man that he was because he, he was just involved in everything, and, you know, he always wanted to break down barriers. He started rugby and knock. He wanted to encourage people in hockey and, you know, his, his uh, love for Gaelic games and, and soccer and everything else, and every, you know, there's so many people at that funeral from all sorts of different walks of life, and it was tough, you know, it was tough playing on Friday after hearing the news, and, and uh, you know, I think it was, you know, there was a minute of applause at the Oval and it was kind of tough to go out and play after that, but we just, you know, we're playing for him and, um, you know, we're, it's it's very, very sad and, and hopefully, you know, we'll all be there for his family and, and for some of his close friends, you know, seeing the likes of, of, of Big Simon, his assistant manager at uh, Bambridge, who would have been my coach and Bob Ramsey and those guys, Andy McMore and the Centenary Shield guys, they're all, it's going to be tough for them, I'm sure, to, you know, this year to, to take the team forward, but he, um, Cranky will be sorely missed, and and he's a uh, he's someone that we'll always remember. Well, it's a lovely, uh, lovely tribute that you've paid there, Bobby, and I'm sure um, everyone that knows Frankie will be really grateful for it. What was strange in its own way was how many of his former players managed to get on the score sheet on Tuesday. You did, Terry Devlin, who scored in that game against England, uh, got his first goal for Glentoran. Young Liam McStravick scored his first goal for Linfield in there victory against Annie United, very well taken goal as well it was Donald Scullion scored for Newry City you know it. it's funny sometimes how, how things pan out and I put out a tweet saying that at the funeral Terry's name and Liam's name had come up just in different conversations I was having with different people and then uh, Simon, who you just mentioned Simon next, text back later on saying you know what, both of them actually dedicated their goals to him, they've been in touch um, mm-hmm. It just shows you the affinity that he had with the players, but um, it it just I don't know. I was sitting there later on on Tuesday night thinking, it's just you know he'd be so proud of those boys and, and you as well for what you did on Tuesday. Yeah, I actually texted Simon after that too, and sort of said the same to him. But look, Simon's brilliant too, and and obviously he's had to um, you know do a lot more at Bambridge this year. He was telling me you know some fantastic stories. Frankie was telling me that Frankie was going to every game this year in Bambridge and. You know, you saw how, how you know, um, obviously his health had deteriorated over the time, but he was still going to every game, still felt all that passion. And when I've been speaking to him, you know, maybe about a couple of months ago, I was talking to Frankie and he wanted to tell me about what I could do better in the game. And <laughs> he still had that passion and that hunger. And, you know, we we always sort of remembered some of the stories he would have had and when we used to go out to the shop and uh, sneaking back into the hotel. And he just, he was great fun. And, um seriously competitive like you know it was like flicking a switch when the the, the starting whistle went but but somebody that we all had a lot of time for and it was very very caring and loving the others and I think you know obviously you and I were both at the funeral on, on Tuesday and you saw the amount of people that, that cared for him when there was you know nearly must have been thousands of people at it from all walks of life people standing outside and and yeah it was really really difficult like but hopefully um, you know especially for his family but hopefully he uh everyone will be able to be there to support them and, and they'll always be able to remember you know and, and I thought it was quite fitting that we did a minute's applause rather than a minute's silence for him at the Oval on Friday night because it was mark of recognition for everything he did in, in football and, and and outside of that and it was a, a life well lived with, with no regrets yeah well I very much thank you for your your thoughts and your memories of Frankie just before we finish up the programme Dungan and Swifts at the weekend um, I know you'll say every game's a big game another three points they've been going through a difficult patch um, but uh, you won't want any banana peels here. No, absolutely not. They they give us a really tough game. 
Um, we beat them, I think, 1-0 with an 85th-minute penalty earlier on in the season at home, so, or at away, sorry, in Dungannon. Um, and they've got some really good players, and it's been sort of surprising to see where they are in the league. But I'm sure if, if uh, they'll be coming to us with nothing to lose and, and they're going to come and attack us. So um, for us, it's you know trying to really take the right mindset in that game and see if we can get the first goal. And, and as I say, we'll just attack the game as we have done earlier on uh, so far in the season. And, and if we can try and keep a clean sheet, then hopefully we'll be able to nick one. And, and it um, would be a good chance for us this weekend to try and sort of get a win with other teams in the, in the top six playing each other. Rival fans are already trying to say you've won the league. I'm sure you're going to try and keep all that talk from from sinking in or, or creeping in. <laughs> we have a long, long way to go. I've, <laughs> I've had enough experiences in football. and Indeed, last year we were top of the league with eight games to go and came third and won nothing and didn't qualify for Europe. So I, we're, we're taking absolutely nothing for granted. And, you know, I like my golf. And in a bit like in the golf analogy, when, when you par or birdie the first couple of holes and you think you're going well, it always brings you back to the earth quite quickly. So um, there's still a long, long way for us to go. But we're enjoying the ride of it, you know, and trying to play with freedom. We've got lots of good players and um, we're just taking it one game at a time and just enjoying it. And, and hopefully if we keep doing that, you know, we will get success at the end of the year. But it's it's such a long way to go that we're, we're not focusing on that. And I think we're we're well aware that, it's you know, we will go through periods of bad form or injury or, you know, the likes of my shot that deflects in off somebody. Well, the opposition might happen, if that might happen for them or refereeing decisions. So we'll just have to ride the wave of it and, and take the roll with the punches. But it's been good this year that we've got off to a good start because I think in previous years we've been chasing you know we've maybe been 10 points back at this stage and it's difficult then to constantly be trying to chase so at least now we've, we've given ourselves a good start we've, we've, uh, we've hit our drive onto the fairway but we've still got a lot of water and, and bunkers to get over before we're <laughs> yet Nice. I do like an analogy. That's a good one to finish on. Bobby just reminding us that he's uh, one of those annoying people that's good at multiple things and he was good at school as well. So, uh, ach, go away, you old swat. You're making me feel rubbish. <laughs> uh, Bobby, great to have you on the score and uh, no doubt talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Michael, cheers. The score with Michael Clark. Well, that is us at the end of another programme or thereabouts. My thank you to Bobby Burns, to Julie Nelson and to Matthew Shevlin for their company this week. Lovely having them on the show. And uh, before I go, just uh, a couple of quick things I want to mention. A recap on the fixtures in the top flight in the Danske Bank Premiership. The Friday match is Balamina United versus Newry City and Larne at home against Crusaders. The Saturday games, Carrick against Coleraine, Cliftonville versus Glenavon, Glentoran versus Dungannon Swifts, and Portadown are at home against Linfield. There's also a full round of fixtures on Tuesday. Carrick Rangers, Portadown, Coleraine versus Crusaders, Larne entertain Dungannon Swifts, Glentoran go to Mournview Park to face Glenavon, Linfield take on Cliftonville in the match of the round, and Newry City play Balamini United. Yeah, a little quirk how that one's worked out. So, very busy period for the teams uh, before next Friday rolls around. So, if you're Corey and you're thinking, right, we'll play Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, thanks very much. And that Friday game is against Glen Torren. It's always entertaining, isn't it? Now we are at the end of the show. Uh, no controversial refereeing decisions here. No dodgy delays whilst we wait to see what the flag is for or isn't for. Hmm. Interesting. Will VAR Light come to our rescue? The refs want it. The league wants to know who's paying for it. 
I don't think that conversation is anywhere near finished. But um, for now, all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.